The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Gardner. And a very warm welcome to you wherever you are this morning. You may be running in a park for unlimited minutes. You may be, uh, you may be in the, no, you can't be in the gym unless you've got a home gym. What youth work at home gym? In their shed. Yeah, but some people do. Some people get very inventive or you go onto eBay or something and you just, you know, I reckon, I reckon we've got at least one listener who's built their own home gym. Need to find out about it. Very inventive. You could be, where else can you currently be listening to us? You can't be listening to us in the swimming pool, obviously, for two reasons. Do you know what? Our local, beautiful little homespun coffee shop that that serves coffee out of a, a shipping container is yeah. open as of yesterday. So you could oh. be stood in a queue yeah, you can't outside sit the there. shipping container. No, you right. can't sit there, but you could be continuing that queue, getting more coffee, listening yeah. to this. You could be in the, in the queue for the shipping container. Uh, you, you could, could be, be in a drive, drive-through safari because they're open now. You could <laughs> be sat you in gonna... your car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give McDonald's more, more. No, I'm not giving them any more airtime. Oh. Well, so uh, drive-through safari. You could there's be a lot in. of drive-throughs and... Uh, <laughs> You could be at, at school. You could be um, you could be like in year ten, and uh-huh. a, a youth worker. I don't think we have too many of those, but uh, but you you might be there sneaking a headphone or something, or you could be on you the. You could the be rant. sat, yeah, on the school rant. You could be sat in a church in private prayer. You could be sat on your own in a church in private prayer and podcasting. You think people would use that moment that they've <laughs> a hard fought moment of private prayer? To have one ear on the Lord and one ear on Rachel Gardner. You know, we, we have an absolute radical listenership, I reckon. I, don't, I think they are unleashed. I think they're doing whatever the heck <laughs> they want to listen to the podcast. Wow. Well, wherever <laughs> you are. swimming. And <laughs> wherever you are, in the car, walking the dog, wherever you are, you're very welcome. And, uh, and we'd love to know. We, we like to know this from time to time, where you listen to the Youthscape podcast. Let us know on social media or by emailing uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk. Uh, Rachel, how how are you? How how has your how's your week been as restrictions are lifting? Well, my my week has been been lovely actually. I um is it has been a bit challenging, but there is light on the horizon. My two and a half year old, who's turning three next week, is going back to preschool oh. a couple of mornings a week as of next week, and he is so excited. So I feel legitimately I can be very excited too. So that's really really good because um we when I take him down to the food bank to volunteer with me, and, and he's got his gel on his hands and a mask on his face, and, and somebody walks in to get a package and walks back out again he runs after them saying my friend <laughs> so I think this Aww. poor child needs other input in his life um, but I've not ventured very far from home but I hear that yesterday very excitingly Martin wow. you left Rygate I did I did oh. you know how weird it feels to go on like a two That's hour so two hour drive I was obviously just going to test my eyesight um, <laughs> so I drove to there we get political on this podcast I, I, I drove to uh, Peterborough, which, by the way, is not normally two hours from Rygate, but at the moment it is. And, uh, and on the way, just before I get to that, on the way, I stopped at a service station. Oh. That is the weirdest thing I've experienced in all of lockdown. I've not done one of those it's yet. It's so they strange. Open? They're open, but completely empty because everything's marked on the floor to get you in and out as quickly as possible. And yeah. you just basically go to the loo. There's a couple of places open. 
basically you can get a coffee and maybe a like a packet of sweets or something that's all you can get and then you just get out again you, you know when you turn up somewhere and you think oh it's one of the ones that's got a mcdonald's or, or whatever and then of and course it's, it's closed everything's right. closed so um so that was that was weird couldn't sit anywhere i'd sit in the car um and then uh, but then then I drove up to Peterborough Showground and met up with the team for the first time for the Satellites event, which is launching in August 2021. Oh my goodness. So we need to have a quick little chat about this because for many of us listening, not all, hashtag not all, but for many of us listening, kind of the road trip, the annual road trip to Peterborough is a bit of a pilgrimage. Like it yeah. has some meaning for us. You guys, there's no festival happening. The country is in some kind of weird lockdown, although you can do that trip. So what's that like? Is it, is it weird? To, is it like a ghost town being on a space where so much amazing stuff has happened and there's just like nothing there? Is there anything yeah. there? I mean, the buildings are still there. They haven't knocked them down. Oh, the, of course the buildings are there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but it is weird. It is weird when it's completely empty. Um, and, uh, it sort of feels like a farm without any animals on it. It's sort of got, cause of course they, they have the agricultural stuff there. So, so it does feel a bit like an empty farm. Um, but it was great to kind of walk around and kind of imagine without, without seeing all the stuff that's normally there, imagine blank canvas. What yes. could we put here? Um, so, uh, so I won't spoil, well, I say I won't spoil it. Well, you don't know yet. Uh, and again, you know, if you want to, you want to contribute your ideas, now is the time. But um, <laughs> but we are going to put on an event for young people to help them put God at the centre of their lives. That's the point. Um, and so that's what the what those five days in August uh, are going to do. Uh, and very excitingly, we are going to launch the event uh, in a in a few weeks' time. And you're actually going to be able to buy tickets. So that it's is bold. Yeah, you're going to be able to buy tickets oh and and possibly even more importantly, volunteer uh, to help at the event. That's all going to be up and running um, in, in just a few weeks' time. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it was very exciting. We've got an amazing team of people who fe- it feels like God has drawn together like the Avengers. And I, I, I don't know which Avenger I am. It's At best, I'm Ant-Man or something. I'm definitely <laughs> the runt of the litter. But it does feel like it does feel like we've brains. Well, maybe you're the evil brainy guy that's like like doing everything from. What do I know? Why do I pretend to know these stories and the plot lines? Cast me as the villain. Yeah, but surely there's somebody behind the scenes that's like thinking all these thoughts and getting everything going. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I. (laughs) I don't think I can pull off Nick Fury. That's no. Okay, all right. I don't think. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so, uh, amazing team getting underway and yeah, it was incredible to be there. It felt like a, a, a two years of a, a lot of, yeah. I mean, let's not go on about it again, but a long journey to actually be there. Incredibly faithful God who has got yeah. us there. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and then of course the, the, the reason we're launching that in a few weeks time is because we're launching it at our <gasps> next event. <laughs> Yes, which happening, which is happening this year, which is happening this summer. And Rachel, I feel like as the experienced promoter of this event, you I should tell us about the, it. Well, I know all the information. It is like seared on my brain box because 
basically lovely friends. A producer Amy is like, Rachel, you've got nothing much to do this week. So could you just quickly, it'll take you a couple of minutes. Just could you just like do a short little plug? 16th, 17th of July, online digital conference. It's going to be live streamed on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Just, just, just give the info. And I say, Amy, do you want me to put some stuff around it? No, just literally the information. So great. So um, I message Amy. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing it now. About five hours later, Amy's like, have you got that little pro? I was like, I'm still, I'm on take like 2,500. I don't know about you, Martin, but I find that if I don't do, if I can't nail it in the first attempt, it yeah. is seriously a downhill slide. And yeah. I... <laughs> there was no one in the house. Jason had taken the children out just like to give me 10 minutes to do it. And then obviously was circling the house, like watching the storm clouds gathering, thinking something's happening in that house. Like, I'll just leave her to it. I just could not nail it. I couldn't remember. I couldn't say it. So in the end, I just recorded one like, oh, and I sent that. And that's the one that Amy has used. So you know what? We so wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have known. Do you know what, Rachel, you are, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak this over your life, you are the greatest example I know of a swan, you know? Oh, yes. Like, like graciously swimming, gliding serenely along the top of the pond. Everyone thinking, wow, underneath. A lot of green poo underneath. Yeah, just spinning around. <laughs> It was hilarious. And then I and then I sort of got that kind of existential angst. Like one of them that I actually put on Insta because I just thought in the end I'll put it out there. One of them I was like, actually, why do I need to invite you? You don't need me to invite you. Like, who do I think I am that somehow my invitation was you'll come because you love them people in Jesus? Like I began to get like really angsty about the whole promo thing anyway. Like, why do we do this? Like these people should just know it's happening. I'll just somehow come. So it was just, it was awful. There was like depths of despair. Wow. Um, and then I That's amazing. I, we should have put that one out. The one where you questioned the very nature of promotion and confidence. Yes. Why? Why is it happening? And then I kept forgetting it's called What Next. I kept calling it So What. Brilliant. So what? So what? Yeah. Can I just can I just tell you it's called Now What? Oh, Now What? I can't even get yeah. the name right. So, um, friends, I don't think I'm going to be allowed anywhere near this event because, as you about? well know, it's live. So, I mean, if it was pre-recorded, they might let me, but it's live. Rachel, <sighs> it's going to be amazing. But Rachel, you're meant, like live, you're meant to be like the live. You're meant to be like the live host of it. I'm so concerned about that though. I mean, if for nothing else, come and watch me slowly implode and like just have existential like angst on many multiple awesome. levels. So, um, so it's, um, so you and I will both be involved in some, in some yet yeah. to be determined way, but it does mean, I think, uh, you know, logistics and uh, government policy changes, notwithstanding, we may actually be in the same room as each other. But we would love you to join us for yes, please, friends. Uh, this uh, two-day event. So when we say two-day, it's obviously not going on you know, all of that time. Uh, you'll basically be able to join us at key points between uh, Thursday evening uh, and Friday evening, particularly those two sessions and then something on, on Friday morning as well. There'll be things going on all the time, uh, as we said, through YouTube and Facebook. But there's a very specific purpose to it. So it's not just a sort of general youth ministry let's have an online conference that's not what it is it's very specifically about how do we develop a a vision 
for the next 12 months. So that involves understanding um, what we've just been through and processing what we've, what we've been through already and what's coming right now. But then there's also um, a, a bit of kind of vision casting. We're going to hear for some, from some brilliant people um, who have been trying some stuff and that's maybe been working and we're also going to hear from some uh, some people who've got some some big ideas about what god might be saying to yes. us at this time um so we will be announcing speakers over the next couple of podcasts i would think um but i would i would uh, encourage you i know it's july we moved it from saturday night because you told us to so it's not happening on saturday now um so it's thursday and friday uh and uh, it's the 16th and 17th of july it is called Rachel, now what? Now what? Thank you. <laughs> Developing your youth ministry vision in a post-COVID-19 world. I think we use the word casting positive vision as well, don't we? Yeah. I, I think it is. I mean, I think probably I was getting myself or my knickers all in multiple twists because actually I do think this is such an important thing not just for the youth ministry tribe of which we are very proud and excited members but for the whole of the church and I think there are some very important strategic conversations happening in different wings of the adult church for once mm. a better phrase I know I shouldn't call it adult church um, but I do think that there's there's a different experience that youth workers have had and that young people are having I think sort of over 25s are having a certain kind of experience with church and I think for over, even over 18s possibly, um, the digital space, it, they're accessing it very, very differently. But for under 80s, there's something about what we have seen and what we feel God has been doing or, not, or, or the limitations in that, that I think here's a unique strain and stream. And so I'm really keen that it isn't just people like you and me, Martin, and our dear community, but I really hope some church leaders and some others connect in with this and just have that posture of listening listening to those that have been innovating and adapting and and i think there'll be a real prophetic thing that comes out of this and i think as you say it won't just be those that we ask to kind of speak into this in a formal capacity i imagine through the little comment bars and the chat and people's conversations offline i think there might be quite a lot that's stirred up that somehow mm. we'll want to capture through this and and will be as significant mm. as the kind of the curated contents i'm really i am really excited so uh if you want to register for that in advance uh it is free but if you register in advance uh you'll get emailed to you a link to download a resource which you'll use through the those two days. So that's a very important reason to register in advance. So it is definitely worth uh, booking in advance. And you can do that. Youthscape.co.uk. Now what? Not what next. Now what? Brilliant. I've got it. I've now got it. I might go make a promo. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, so Rachel, you've been talking to all sorts of people. This is yes. classic Rachel Garner. You've been wandering the streets with a microphone. I, I mean, I genuinely. I have generally been one of the streets of the microphone. This is this is a bit of a garden, a double bill. Um, so number one, uh, I've talked a lot about um, the young people at the back of the Minster. So thank you for journeying with me because probably you've been rolling your eyes like, ah, she goes again. But um, three of them have been rocking up recently and I've been having socially distance. When, when can we stop having to say that we socially distance and just assume that's know. what we're doing? That we're know. just doing best practice. Um, yeah. So I just said to them, look, I do this podcast. Um, are you guys up for just 
just sharing what this experience has been. So my agreement with them is that I don't refer to them by any name or gender in the conversation. That's because of a kind of journey that a few of them are on. And also that I don't refer to them now by name. So when you hear the interview, it's a little bit odd because I just say, what do you think? And it's obviously somebody different I'm now looking at. So you'll just hear that with the voices. Um, but I put the phone basically on the stone slab in front of them and then we just pivoted <laughs> around. So these are young people that all through lockdown have had a number of different addresses. Their, their housing's not been secure. They're not in educational employment. Um, they're facing lots of emotional trauma and difficulties and they're looking at a future that's not secure. So I think it's just really interesting getting a glimpse from them of what this experience has meant. So listen to these young people. I've sat with them amazingly brave people that have said they're willing to chat with me come to you first like for you during lockdown um it's been it's been difficult um it's given me it's given me a bit of a bit of a break from all all the drama and you know the, the just 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 stuff that i don't need to be involved in but it's also it's, it's given me some problems with you know looking after myself properly like you know taking care of my health you know not not forming bad habits and mm. stuff like that so I mean, there is that, but it's it's given me time to focus on myself at the same time, rather than rather than be, like look out for other people that you know don't don't give the same respect back to me. Yeah. So, have you found that you you've had to stay in one place, and how has that how has that been like being physically cooped up somewhere? What's that been like? Um, well, my family drive me a little bit mental, so there there, there has there has been that, but. I do I do quite like my own company sometimes. I mean I don't I, I prefer to be around other people, but on my own it gives me time to, you know, collect my thoughts together. So that's not really been it's not been too bad. Wow, fantastic. It's really nice to see you back sat here. It's really good. What um what would you like to say to the rest of society about what you think young people are experiencing at the moment at this point in lockdown? Um, well, just look after yourselves, really. Don't, don't, don't worry about what other people are doing. You know, say even if you see your mates, you know, going out. I mean, I'm sat, I'm sat here at the back of church, you know, with a couple of friends. But it's still, you still got to realise that, you know, there's still this this whole Corona thing going on, mm. and you you have got to be careful. So just look after yourself before anyone else. Which I mean, I know it sounds selfish, but that's what's important yeah, at the moment. Good. Yeah. You know, do, you, do you, how do you think adults? kind of because I'm noticing that lots I'm seeing as I walk around Preston I'm seeing lots of groups of young people like quite young people who've been like cooped up for ages now desperate to get out and I see adults sort of looking at them a bit dodgy like have you have you picked up on that at all that people sort of what yeah you're you're nodding yeah 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 you nodded, yeah definitely uh, I think people have become like a lot more judgmental because there was a whole thing um some news article from I don't know I, I can't remember the source but they were saying about you know young people or they they, they call them their generation me because you know they, they they seem to think that we you know we care only about ourselves and to some extent that's true but people are becoming more judgmental because they're saying that you know we won't we, we don't care for our elders and stuff like that they, they think that you know we're too selfish to you know stay inside and look after our uh, our grandparents and you know we're still being mindful of that we're, we're distancing ourselves as much as we can a lot for lots of you as well actually it sounds like there's hundreds of you sat here <laughs> Thank you. but a number of you have said to me during lockdown you really miss not seeing your grandparents that's been a really sad thing for for a couple of you here yeah yeah that, that has been tough that has yeah. been tough 
because often they're the people you feel sort of sort of safer with or whatever. Thank you. That was incredible. What's your lockdown experience like? Um, dramatic, in a word. <laughs> very, very dramatic. Um, crazy. And how, how have you... Have you been in one place? Have you found that you've been in a couple of different places? Are you able to chat about so, that? I went from a hostel in Preston to my sister that I've not seen since I was about four um, because she wasn't adopted with me. Um, and then I'm coming back to somewhere in Preston. Fantastic. <laughs> so it's been quite a challenge for you hasn't it sort of different locations yeah and what you were saying a bit about giving yourself space to think about things have, have you found that that's that's been how have you sort of coped with all the thoughts and feelings that you've had initially it was um it was good and I, I, I kind of got a bit happier at the start and I was quite enjoying lockdown to be fair but um then it, it just got way too much for me to a point when cops are trying to find me to see if I was okay mm. in where I'm living now and in Preston. And has that calmed down a bit more? Now that I've been coming out a bit more, yeah. Mm. And now that I'm moving, definitely. Yeah, it's fantastic. definitely a positive. But So any of you can answer this. Like what, as we begin to get out of the lockdown, it's easing a bit. And I think shops are opening on Monday, I think. Um, like what are you... What are you looking forward to? What What do you hope for? What do you want? There's nothing good going to come out of this. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a damper on it, but there's going to be a second wave. And whether or not I'm right about the second wave, there's a lot of people who think there is, so it's not just me. Um, there's going to be a massive recession globally. Just everybody needs to start saving. Not yeah. that they can, the but... The economy is going to be absolutely... It's already, yeah, already it's, it's, so it's, much it's, debt. It's going to be bad after after lockdown. I think I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of unemployment. I think it's it's. I don't I don't want to say say famine. That's a that's a big word. But um, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough after lockdown. Uh, going to have to keep our heads up really. And how how do you feel about that for yourselves? So you guys are eighteen. Come through education. The first you're the first generation out of education facing a jobless market. So how are you feeling about that? What are your hopes for? Are you, are you going to look for a job? Are you? I'm what are you thinking you might do? Start my own business and then progress and start another one and then progress and start another one. Like, like years. That's Have you always had that thought, or has that been more recent? No, that was. I had an epiphany. I went for a smoke, and I'm I'm autistic, so I have major authority uh, issues. Um, but I love animals, so I'm going to start with that, and then I love music, so then I'm going to do that. And I think I'm just listening to you. You're, I mean, the little I know of you, you're creative. You're problem solvers. Yeah. You've got that kind of get up and go. How about you? What's I mean, I've been out of education and unemployed for two years. So um, I think after lockdown, I really am going to have to step my game up because, yeah, I'm 18 now. I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm on the edge of an adult world right now. So I do need to step my game up and, you know, get a job. I'm, I'm going to uh, Manchester School of Electronic Music uh, next year. So, Fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Oh, so. I miss you. I've, uh, oh no, I'm I'm, I'm going to stay in Preston. Good, but, good. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to get into into music again because that was always that, that's mm. always been a big thing in my life. That's what keeps me going. Mm. Um, and I'm going to try and find a job on the side. Um, you know, mm. and 
I'll just say see where it goes from there really I just I just need to get myself doing something because I've been my life's been a bit stagnant for the last couple of years so I just need to yeah after lockdown I think I, I am I am going to step have to step up my game because there's no choice anymore that's so incredibly honest you guys are incredibly articulate and just one last question what does it mean for you to sit outside these stone walls what does it mean for you home, home. <laughs> definitely <laughs> home what about for you um well, it's just a, I don't know, it's a chance to just collect my thoughts, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sacred ground and, you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't lie, I'm not particularly religious, but it's still, I still see it as a place where I can just feel okay, if that makes sense. And I've got, I've got my friends here, um, you guys in the church take care of us really well. Um, it's, it's a brilliant, yeah, it's a brilliant place. It's... Do you reckon after lockdown we can tempt you inside? Uh, possibly, possibly. <laughs> so, uh, Rachel, fantastic uh, interviews and really, I don't mean to be patronising here, but incredibly articulate young people. Uh, one of them referring to, you know, sources and, uh, and, and, and trying to, uh, understanding the importance of clarity in, in the words they're using. And I, I just, you know, I think this is why we have to listen to young people because they do actually really understand the world from their perspective better than we ever will. And they have got something to say. So I think it's great that we've, we've managed to actually, uh, rather than speaking about them, getting them on Yes. The, the, um, the podcast but you've also now as you say it's it's not a double bit it's like a quadruple bill isn't it because we've also we've got a, another interview now uh, and yes. this is our feature presentation and let me just just say a couple of words about this man so Russ Rook what uh, an amazing guy who, who has been invested in uh, ministry in lots and lots of ways but actually young people for the long long haul so so, I mean, this is, how, this is how long he's been doing youth ministry. He predates us. He's, he's doing it longer than we have. Yes. <laughs> he's like, that's like the difference between the Triassic and the Jurassic period. And so, um, so he uh, was for many years headed up, we founded really, a love, which was the, um, the youth movement within the Salvation Army uh, for many years and did some amazing work there in terms of the, the way that youth ministry exploded and grew uh, across the Salvation Army and this amazing expression uh, for probably a decade was, was really amazing. And he was really at the forefront of that. But he's also been involved in leading uh, the setup of schools and then, and then leading schools. Uh, and he's been involved in ways that we're never quite clear about behind the scenes in politics and uh, with very important people. Refugee crisis and, is amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he took a lead in our response to the refugee crisis. And, uh, and now, of course, he's been uh, pioneering the, uh, the Your Neighbour initiative oh, where we've had yeah. uh, all these brilliant church leaders coming together in unity to see how the local church can be equipped to reach those around them at this unprecedented time. Mm. And so how wonderful that this week you managed to catch up with him. Well, I'm so pleased to be joined by Russ. Russ, you are not only a friend to youth ministry, but you're a little bit of a guru for many of us. Because I, I think many of us, our stories of youth ministry involve seeing you on a platform at Youth Works Conference. And I, I'm going to open with this because one of my abiding memories of you is standing on the platform with, I think, a, a venue full of a thousand youth workers crying with laughter as you were sharing a story of your son weeing into a swimming pool. I have no idea what spiritual point you were making off the back of it. I'm sure lives were changed. But that 
that's my main abiding memory of you. So, so on that amazing intro, welcome, Russ. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I mean, you do have lots of ammunition with which to embarrass me. That, that there's absolutely no <laughs> about that. And um, uh, I think my biggest contribution was probably not to youth work, but to the Ministry of Counselling for all the people that have invested <laughs> a great deal in, in trying to use various forms of therapy to get over my own youth ministry. Um, <laughs> Oh, we're all in the same boat. We love you. So, well, let, let's start there. Before we talk about your neighbour and the extraordinary sequence of events that have happened in the UK in this week, let, let's hear a little bit about your youth ministry story because you've been involved in, in a number of ways, both sort of nationally and locally. Let, let us know a bit about what you've, what you've done. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess my, my youth ministry story started when I, when I flunked all of my auditions to go to music college. Um, I, did, I did spend time as a musician, but retired due to letters from music lovers everywhere. And uh, <laughs> I did, did try and get into music college and I completely messed up. And I knew that, to be honest, I'd known since about 15 that there was some kind of calling on my life. But in the background that I was in, calling meant, you know, leading a local church. And I, I think I was, while I was not very self-aware at 15, I was self-aware enough to know that um, um, that, that wasn't me. In fact, my, as my, my spiritual director said recently, um, you probably can't lead a church, you probably could kill one. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, so in truth, I messed up these exams and then did this deal with God. I said, look, I'm going to give you a year of my life because I've got a hunch that you want me to do something and then you're going to let me go back to music after that point. Um, and, and I basically signed up to work with this guy called Phil Wall, who was the Salvation Army's kind of new national youth evangelist. And within a few weeks, I began to realize that God hadn't quite signed off on this deal and that maybe there was something in this and this was meant to be uh, something I did for a bit longer than a year. And so my, my year out with the Salvation Army lasted 18 years um, and, um, and and was was, yeah, just, I mean, probably the the most enjoyable, exciting, uh, life-changing time of my life. And we did lots of mission and youth work, and we tried to help the Salvation Army reach young people and did church plants based on young people and all kinds of projects. And then um, at the end of that time, I, I, I left to, to start a charity which was starting schools in the United Kingdom. So, um, so yeah, so, so really the first sort of 28 years of my, uh, of, of, of my, my life and ministry were, were spent you know, working with young people in, in one way, shape or form. That's incredible. That's wonderful. I'm sure many folk listening to this will have very fond memories of you. You're a very dynamic preacher. And although you put yourself down relentlessly, you are, you are one of the wonderful preachers that I remember from many of these conferences. Um, but as, as you sort of trace back this really interesting call on your life and the different things you've done, would you say, Russ, there's been something that's kind of been a kind of a theme that's gone all the way through in terms of your youth ministry? Oh, I feel like I'm interviewing you for a job now, really. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll tell you my weaknesses next, but you're going to need a lot of confidence. Um, it was interesting. I was talking to a guy on Zoom the other day, and he asked me, um, he asked me, you know, if I'd ever had a mentor. And, and again, that's a long, long answer to, to a short question because I, I've had so many. And, and um, my wall actually in front of me, which you can't see, has sort of various heroic people on it. Obviously, there is a picture of Jesus. There's a huge signed picture of Alex Ferguson. Um, but then there's also a guy called Leslie Newbigin, who was a mentor to me when I was in, in university. And in, in the first years of my ministry, he, he had been a bishop in India and he'd come back to the UK and felt the real challenge of trying to reach England. England in a way that he'd been trying to reach India because England had changed so much and in his view sort of drifted away from Christian faith in the time that he was gone 
and I, and that relationship was really important to me because I used to go and read to him in an old old people's home. In fact, the he sat on this wicker chair in his old people's home, and the, it was the most uncomfortable chair ever. In fact, the pattern is still actually you know actually in my heart. <laughs> and uh, he was lovely. He was going blind. That's why I read to him. And, and at half time, every we, we'd read for about two hours, and about half time he would come and, and pour some tea, and he would insist on serving you. But actually, you know, you're because he was going blind, a lot of the tea ended up in your lap, not in the cup. And But every time you walked away from him, you, you asked the question, was I with Leslie for that time or was I with Jesus? And the answer was always yes. Um, and for me, that sort of sense of, you know, youth ministry is essentially at its heart relationship. It's about building meaningful, deep connections with people and knowing that somehow in the most remarkable ways, even through very broken people like me, uh, God can sometimes show up. And so I think for me that, that the thread has been that important of, of, of deep relationships and, and to try and find ways to say, I've been very privileged to have many mentors who have invested in me. Um, and the job of a youth worker is to find many people that they can invest themselves in. Um, and then everything else, the, 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 the program and the preaching and the shows and the initiatives and the creativity sort of wraps around that. But for me, it's always been about trying to achieve some kind of depth of relationship and connection. That's so powerful. I guess that's incredibly um, poignant for us listening to this because that piece of being with young people has been profoundly challenging these past few months as, as youth ministries had to adapt and adjust and innovate and find new ways. And I was just listening to something I think one of the chief, the chief rabbi was saying recently that when we are physically with people, our heartbeats begin to go into sync which doesn't happen when you're connecting on zoom and and almost like intuitively as incarnational youth workers we know that we we, we always can't always articulate what what it is about being actually physically with the people that we serve but but those sort of quite poetic ideas really help sort of ferment that and, and cement that so i know you're not sort of directly involved in youth ministry at the moment but, but what have you seen over the past few months in terms of how the church has adapted particularly to reaching young people and connecting with young people at this time and then we're going to talk a bit about your neighbor in a minute but what what from your vantage point what, what have you been seeing no, I think I've seen a few things. I mean, I think one of the things you see in a crisis is that in some ways, uh, institutions like the church can, can accelerate their development. So, you know, if, if somehow all the church leaders in the United Kingdom had come together at the beginning of this year and said by the end of, you know, we want, we want to set a target that by a certain time, all of our services and all of our alpha courses and all of our marriage courses and all of our youth groups and all of this kind of stuff will be online. Um, I suspect a kind of realistic target would have been somewhere like 25 to 30 years, you know, to get that to happen. Um, but but COVID-19 has been a real accelerator um, for a level of innovation, which arguably should have happened before. But, you know, within actually three weeks, you know, uh, the church is online, 12.5 million people are turning up on Sunday and, and, and the UK church is breaking Zoom. Um, and and so, so I think in some ways it's been a real accelerator for churches to make some really important steps to bring their ministry into the 21st century and I think that's been very key uh, in terms of in terms of youth ministry and what I've seen from uh, from stuff that Youthscape's doing and encourage other churches to do and stories that uh, you tell about what churches are doing it feels like there's been a real acceleration in some areas to church to get rid to get to grips with that secondly there's an element whereby a kind of digital platform creates, um, well, actually reduces barriers. Um, I, I interviewed Nikki Gumbel last week on, on Your Neighbour, uh, one of our leaders' lunches, and um, 
he was talking about, you know, the, the squillions of people doing alpha online. Um, and, and my boss, um, I spent part of my week working in the House of Lords, obviously not at the moment, but um, uh, working for a member of the House of Lords, Baroness Sherlock. And uh, she had a very radical conversion. She basically, for a period, God was kind of working with her with no real kind of, not many Christians around her. And she went on holiday and read a book and decided she needed to become a Christian. And um, it's a long story. Um, and then uh, she decided, right, now I'll come back from my holiday. I need to, if I'm going to be a Christian, I, bet, I guess I better go to church. <laughs> um, so she, she went to the only church she knew, which was uh, a church on Islington High Street, where she bought her charity Christmas cards every year and parked outside this church um, uh, and then was too scared to go in. And um, and this was someone who had worked for Gordon Brown in Number Eleven Downing Street. So she was not she was not she was not easily scared. She was not a nervous person. But there's something about that step across you know the the, the 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 doorstep of the church, which feels like it could be a million miles for some people, even if they know they've got to make that journey. And so fortunately, the next week she went back and uh, and and she they did an alpha course and she came to faith and 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 the rest is is a rather wonderful history. But I think what we're seeing is that obviously. A digital platform creates an accessibility. Yes, you're right. In some areas, it's difficult to reach people, and certainly difficult to reach people in a really, um, in sometimes in a very deep personal way. Mm. But actually, it is possible for people to access our content and what we're doing and our ministry in a way maybe they couldn't before. Mm. So I think there's been an acceleration in the church getting to grips with certain types of innovation. There's been a bringing down of barriers so that some people can access church and life of people of all ages in a way they haven't before. But I think you're right. It also comes with real problems, and even this medium in which we're talking to. Um, I read a, I read a very profound comment, um, which said that you know, in some ways, human beings we 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 can cope with presence, so we can cope with being present to one another. We like that. We we can cope with absence. We can cope with being away from one another. But the problem with this kind of Zoom culture is that we are always in the presence of one another's absence. So you and I are not present to each other fully now. As you say, our hearts are not sinking in. You know, we are not able to make you a cup of coffee and give you a custard cream, you know, all those kind of things. And I think that is one of the real challenges, particularly for, for people working in youth ministry. And I've seen it with my own kids. So I've got an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. Is that that real, it's, I mean, it's great to do Zoom on on, on um well, it's great to do youth group on Zoom, and um, it's caused them to come up with some real creativity, and, and they're making content and making oh, videos, recording songs and worship, because you know that that, that they, they can, and they've got time on their hands and all the rest. But at the same time, there is a miss a, a real connection. So one of my sons is in a a youth theatre group and they meet tonight and he's really found that difficult because actually doing theatre with people when it's just 20 people on the Zoom call just isn't the same as being able to act and react with people in the room. And so I think that is a real challenge for the church, which is I, I, I personally think we are likely to be in this phase where we move between sort of levels of social distancing and intermittent lockdowns for potentially 12 to 18 months. Mm. While it's great that we're getting much more techy and we can do our ministries online, while it's great that that means that people are accessing it that wouldn't access it otherwise, going back to my first point, finding ways to, to create deep, meaningful connection between human beings is a real challenge. So powerfully put, and and I guess I, I can see in the in the back of your um your office uh, propped up an amazing picture of somebody who we all utterly adore, and I've never heard of Marcus Rashford before this week. I, I'm famous for not knowing anything about football. I know they wear shirts and kick a ball around. That's about it. But I, I guess just 
that, that hunger for connection, I think we're seeing, aren't we, across the world and, and across our nation, both, both the hunger and the anger against the injustice and the systems that this kind of pandemic has revealed that are broken and damaging, but also this great capacity we have as human beings to bring about this change that you talked about, like set the goal and suddenly we can see the change. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that because I'd love to hear from you as the youth ministry tribe, as the community who are poised and ready to respond to whatever the emerging needs for young people coming out of this pandemic are. Like, how can we get our activism on? Like, take a leaf out of people like Marcus Rashford. We have nothing like the platform that he has. But do you want to fill us in quickly on, on what the story's been this week? And then, um, as, as you see it, and then you know, how as we, as a church, can we get behind stuff like this? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, most people on this call will know that in the United Kingdom, young people often return to school in September you know, uh, well, young people who are disadvantaged, we're showing some symptoms of malnourishment. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? We're the fifth richest country in the world. Um, and we have children in our communities who are malnourished because they're not getting enough food across the summer holidays. And I think uh, Marcus Rashford's um, action was essential because obviously this year we're going to have kids going to school in September, we hope, who may not have been in school since March and uh, for all kinds of reasons um, that, that their families are struggling and, and they're struggling to get food. We add to that that in August, the government's furlough scheme comes to an end, which is likely to tip a very significant amount of people into unemployment through redundancy. Um, that, you know, we are, we are preparing ourselves for a real economic kind of tsunami in our country in terms of the levels of unemployment, of, the, uh, of debt, of deprivation, of anxiety around those issues. Um, and so I think uh, Marcus Rashford was incredibly powerful, partly because he can speak in a way that none of us, well, few of us can. Or certainly I can't, um, coming from a, a very privileged background. You know, he knew what it was not to have enough food. And, and, and his saving grace was, uh, was being picked for Man United as a teenager. And obviously Manchester United saw this person as someone to invest in. And there was no point in investing in his sporting ability if he wasn't eating enough at home. And so the Manchester United Foundation, you know, helped his family. Um, and I think what we, we're sort of waking up to now, and I think this is, this is where youth workers really are on the front line, is that interestingly, when, when we started, when we, even when we started Your Neighbour.org, our view was that the most vulnerable people that churches needed to support were older people. You know, they're self-shielding, they're vulnerable of getting COVID. If they get COVID, they've got less chance of surviving it and all the rest. And the reality is all the evidence shows that, of course, yes, that is true. Older people have uh, less capacity to, to get over COVID if they get it very badly. But the truth is, in terms of some of the other symptoms, for instance, isolation, that they are less impacted. And, and sadly, one of the reasons they're less impacted is because many old people in our country have become used to being isolated. That is a, a normative state. Um, but for young people, that isolation is very destructive, even, even amongst youth workers. And, and if, you know, particularly the, the younger, I mean, the, the people on my team that I can most concern for are, are those people in their early 20s who live on their own, who aren't married. And, you know, that, that's, this is a really tough deal. And we know anxiety is high there. I think with young people in school, it's particularly worrying. I think that the impact on their lives, not just for the fact that they might not have had good food from March till September for those six months, that they haven't been in school, that some of them are in really difficult home situations. I remember when we, we when I was at the Salvation Army, we did, um, we had an Eden project, one of the first Eden projects with the Message Trust, moving about 20 uh, young adults into Openshaw in Manchester to work with young people there. 
And remember the first Christmas, fairly obviously all of our team went home for Christmas. And uh, then they came back and kind of in all of our naivety said to the young people they were working with, did you have a good Christmas? How was Christmas? And the, the kids looked at them like they were, you know, aliens from Mars. They just, what do you mean? Did I have a good Christmas? You know, those kids who were in very vulnerable situations didn't wake up to lots of presents and a, a stocking full of toys and gifts. They woke up to parents who were uh, in some cases drunk by the middle of the morning. That led to all kinds of other behaviours. You know, and, and, and guess what? That team that they built a relationship with all, had all gone home for Christmas. And, and the, the Ian team sort of pledged from that point forward um, that, you know, some of them should stay at Christmas, you know. And, and so if you amplify that to kids being in unideal environments from March to September, without food, falling further behind. I spoke to a senior Christian leader last week in, in, um, on Zoom just for a one-to-one, and he was saying, you know, my, my own kids, he said, you know, we, we're trying our best with homeschooling, and you can see that one of my kids is really studious, and they're plowing ahead, and when they're, when they're not doing homeschooling, they're reading anyway, so they're a bit of... My other kid, I can feel them getting further behind, and we as parents can't seem to kind of get them up. And so the educational disadvantage and the lack of relationship and support from teachers and staff and youth workers and chaplains and all the other people they get, the after school clubs at school. And I think we are not even beginning to recognize what this six, nine, 12 month experience will be like and how it will affect the development of those young people. And I don't really have an answer. I mean, we're, we're still very much in the how do we just get food to them stage? And I know you guys are doing loads of that in Preston and, and other churches around the country. And we have a project which we're launching next week to try and get every church on our, your neighbor network to try and, you know, work with a local school to make sure that food families get emergency food over the summer. But actually there's, there's some bigger issues about the develop, developmental impact of this period on these children's lives. Um, and there's some bigger challenges for youth workers to say, one, how do we reach them? As you said, that's difficult in the first place. And secondly, how do we help them? And what I'm hearing from you, Russ, in the midst of this is, is maybe this is an absolute um, significant opportunity for us as the youth ministry community to repurpose, in a sense, what it is that we see ourselves for, what our, what our role is, what our calling is. I, I, I mean, if you, could, if you could fling out there, which is a bit of a tricky question to ask you, really, and it's, it's, there's no easy answer, but if you were to sort of provocatively chuck out a challenge to us, what, what, would, it, what would it be around this? Where would, you, where would you, if you were still involved heavily in youth ministry, where would you be directing your team's attention right now? Um, so I think, um, I mean, that is a really challenging one and, and I don't, I'm not sure I've got the authority to, to give you an answer to it because I think um, probably the vast majority of your listeners are, are the heroes are already doing this and they could teach. Absolutely. I think, I think, I think what I would say is it's about, um, I think it's about, I think there are two key words I use and one is presence and the other is posture. Um, I, I spend, I, I go uh, to St. Martin in the, in the Fields Church um, quite a lot in the, in the week and the vicar there is a guy called Sam Wells who's written a very brilliant book um, called The Nazareth Manifesto um, uh, which uses the parable of the Good Samaritan to try and reframe how we do incarnational ministry in the 21st century and it's essentially it's, it's essential thing is that you know our job first and foremost is to be with people not to necessarily do stuff for people certainly not to do stuff to people but to be with them and i think at the moment when when things are quite confused and when we're really not sure what's going on or 
who's suffering or what the impact of that suffering is going to be. Um, I think the first challenge is, you know, a challenge of presence to make sure that we are with people. And as we say, again, that is difficult when, when, when you can't actually, you know, when you can't access people in the way that you normally would. But I think it's that, that process for the church to say we want to be with young people. And I think to, in some ways to relieve the church, to relieve youth workers, because it's that classic thing of, well, if they're a young person, they're in the youth department, so the youth worker will take care of that. No, 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 no. It is the church's job to be with young people. They are vulnerable. They are hugely impacted by what's going on. This will shape the rest of their lives in ways that it won't for any other generation. And our job is not just to send the youth worker along or the intern, but actually to be with them. And that's why one of the reasons we're running this lockdown hunger project is not just because churches should be supplying food to those families, but churches should be with those families. And that should be a relationship that should be established between the church, the school and families forever and a day, not just for the summer holidays. So I think that first thing is presence. And I think the second thing is posture. Uh, I think that's, that's about how we make ourselves present with people. And I think we've seen a lot. I mean, I, I think like any Christian leader, I, uh, are slightly nervous before uh, diverting into the Black Lives Matter situation because it's been so challenging to find ways and helpful ways for white privileged leaders like me to talk about this situation. But I think the one thing that is absolutely essential as well as presence is posture. And that's at this point that we are not going to say, actually, we are here to, to save the day. Actually, at first, we're going here to be present and to listen to you and to try and learn from your situation. And I think whether, whether we're talking about vulnerable groups or they're talking about the BAME community, whether it's about children, vulnerable young people, our first job is to be present and to, to present ourselves in a posture which says, actually, we, we want to listen and we want to learn, and then we want to think about how we can help. Because often if we just turn up and say, we're here to help. Uh, one, of my, one of my old bosses used to be... Um, used to be the number two in a massive global organization. And he said, the one thing that every local office doesn't want to hear is, hi, I'm from head office, I'm here to help. And it's that kind of, it's always, anyway, as soon as we get, that's not what people need first of all. They want to know that we're from the church and we're here to be with them and to listen to them and then to see what we can do maybe with them and for them. Oh, that's so tremendous. Thank you. I was just thinking about something. I heard Sam Wells, who I don't know at all, but I heard him on a podcast recently. And he talked about um, one of his other books about improvisation, that, that the challenge as never before is to not to be clever, but to be faithful, to sort of ask, what does it mean to, to pick up uh, our calling, our responsibility to be with people and to in, improvise well. And I think, yeah, great, great wisdom. Russ, before you go, <laughs> Russ, um, tell us a bit about yourneighbour.org and how we as youth workers could c- connect in with the brilliant stuff that you're doing and the campaigns you're doing. Well, yeah, so yourneighbour.org was one of those things. I mean, back in 2015, um, I worked for, I spent part of my time, as I said, working a bit in Parliament, but most of my life I worked for a thing called the Good Faith Partnership, and we spent a lot of time working between the worlds of faith and politics. And um, in 2015, we were involved in working um, with lots of churches and faith groups, civil society groups, and the government in trying to find some kind of response to the refugee crisis. Um, and we created this thing called the Church Response for Refugees. And uh, then um, when sort of COVID happened, I had, you know when you get one of those calls which kind of makes you feel slightly sick in your stomach? Um, Dom, who's the director of, of Your Neighbour, phoned me 
Uh, obviously, your neighbour didn't exist, and it was a case of, you know, do you think we should do something to try and help, you know, coordinate response between government churches around COVID-19? And you had that horrible feeling of, I really think we should, but to be honest, uh, <laughs> we really want to create even more work and even more global pressure. And, you know, anyway, so um, we, we did. And yourneighbour.org is, is now a kind of network of about 1,300 plus churches around the country who all said, look, there's some real challenges for some of us as, as churches, particularly in the early days, it felt like kind of COVID-19 threatened the existence of the church. And we wanted to say, no, you know, we, the challenges are real and we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate what churches are going through and having to furlough staff or having to live without offerings or how do they minister to some of their young people or older people. You know, so COVID is a real, there's a real challenge for the church, but actually there's real opportunities here as well. And, um, uh, uh, you know, interestingly, historically, if you look through times of plague through history, when we when we started your neighbor.org, we started a we we started a series of um, uh, thoughts for the days, which go out on our, our website, your neighbor.org. And Tom Wright very care, very very generously and kindly said, oh, I, I can do something for you." And he wrote this brilliant piece, as Tom Wright would. And basically, what he was saying is, look. You know, we, we're not used to plagues and pandemics, but the truth is the, every other generation in the history of the church has been well used to these things happen regularly. This thing happens and loads of people get sick and people die. And, and actually it's been a normal thing for the church to have to find a way of ministering through that. We did actually have to say, Tom, can we just find a bit more of a cheerful ending to this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of, you know... You know, if you look through the history of the church, yeah. you know, um, um, uh, this has been a time where, you know, one of the reasons why Christianity um, gained credibility in the Roman Empire was because when plagues came, all the wealthy people ran to the hills, quite literally, and it was the Christians that stuck around and looked after people who were sick and who were dying. And that established that kind of credibility that these guys were, these were just not another kind of, you know, um, you know this was just not just another kind of religious group. Um, th- there was something real here that was really very powerful. So I think from my perspective, we, we wanted to say, look, there is something defining about these moments for the church. And, and there's actually an opportunity for the church to be the church. Mm. In, in and so uh, we've, I mean, essentially, we, we've just, one, tried to get churches together. We, as I say, we have 1,300 churches. Our website tries to profile some of the amazing things churches are doing and ministries like Youthscape. Um, it also tries to give advice and guidance. So this week, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of guidance out there for those churches who are meeting for private prayer or different things and what we should do to remain safe and all the rest. Um, and I guess the other thing is just trying, I mean, we, we, we have very little to offer other than actually just aggregating the incredible kind of anointing and imagination imagination of the church and making sure that other church leaders know what's going on so we spoke to you Rachel last week and Sarah about love your neighbor which is an astonishing kind of movement and making sure everyone knows that that's going on and they can be part of it or they can learn for it or they can contribute to it and uh, I think that's been really key and what we're doing in this next phase because lots of the last 12 weeks has clearly been about just responding to need and crisis and emergency and response and we're now starting to think about how do communities start to recover through COVID and what can churches do to do that. Um, and so we have this lockdown hunger project. If you are interested um, in working with your local churches to make sure that schools in your community uh, are able to get food to families in crisis over the summer, come to yourneighbor.org next week. There'll be lots of things there uh, that you can sign up for. Um, we're going to be looking in the autumn about things like debt advice and those kind of issues as they come to it. But how do we make the church the hope the hope of the local community through the COVID crisis. And that's basically what we're there to do. 
Well, thank you, Russ. Thank you to you and to Dom and all the team for stepping up at a time where your plate felt very full. And thank you so much for stirring our imagination today and for giving us your time. All of these, all through lockdown, every interview has been very last minute and all our guests have sort of done this with no warning and no questions beforehand and just brought just something wonderful. Thank you, Russ, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for all you're doing around the country. We desperately need our youth worker. Yes. Great interview, Rachel. Thank you. And just reflecting briefly on on Russ's big challenge that whatever happens in this season and beyond, like youth workers always have to remember that our our kind of focus, our our goal in youth ministry has always got to be to be with young people, not to create great content for them, not to uh, convert them. Uh, like our our primary function is to be with them in this kind of. I mean, any time a teenager goes through adolescence, it's a crazy unprecedented period. They have, I've said unprecedented a lot today, but, uh, but, but, uh, but in this, in this version of going through adolescence, like it's, I just imagine growing up right now, just imagine it. So they need us. They need us perhaps more now than they ever have in lots of ways. And, uh, and we have to find ways to keep being with young people. And maybe that's been a focus of this as we've done these special edition podcasts over the last I don't know, seven and a half years or whatever it's been. Uh, I, I think that's actually been a recurring theme. That Absolutely. The yes. digital stuff is great, but it's only another means to that end of being with yes. young yes. people. And as we start to imagine the next 12 months, that's got to be a key focus. And that'll be a key focus of, of the events. Just to remind you of that, of course, if you head to youthscape.co.uk slash now what, you can register for free for our online youth event, which is happening, or youth work event, which is happening in, uh, in mid-July. Uh, and we really hope to see uh, as many podcast listeners as possible at that. I don't know how we'd see you there, but know your They presence. will make themselves known. They'll yeah. make themselves known. Perfect. Oh, talking about being with, I can hear like my children have morphed into dinosaurs and they're being very noisy. I'm going to go and be with them. You're going to go and do some homeschooling and friends, wherever you are, whatever you're doing today, we absolutely love doing this with you. We wouldn't be serving any other cause with any other people than you. So have a great, great day. Bye.